don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. It's September 7th and time for your Social and Six update. As always, we're bringing you the six most important news stories from the ever-changing landscape. To fill you in on the news you might have missed and to give you plenty to talk about in our Facebook group. So without further ado, let's get started. I don't think that there's ever been a tool before in the history of mankind where you can just so easily share what you got to say with so many people so quickly. First up this week, Twitter will give more context around trending topics. Yes, do you ever log on to Twitter to see which topics are trending and just have no clue what's going on? Well, fear not, as Twitter has announced it will begin pinning tweets at the top of trending topics to give users more context and an excuse to get involved. Of course, there are times when you can't explain everything you need to in 280 characters, which is why Twitter's curation team will begin rolling out descriptions to accompany these trending topics in the next several months. Now, you may think this is a pretty straightforward no-frills update, but I see this working particularly well for brands, especially as we all know the key to success on Twitter is often to be reactive and to jump on trends and memes quickly, so long as you're adding value or something more to the joke. With brands able to get on the right side of context more often, there's no reason why more can't get involved in the fun and generate a few quick wins. The fact that Twitter is focusing so heavily on what's trending shows a real appreciation of one of its biggest USPs, quick conversation. Which brings me on to audio tweets and another story from Camp Twitter. If you cast your mind back, you'll remember that Twitter revealed it would be launching audio tweets a few months ago. Now, I suspect what they didn't account for, however, is the backlash they'd receive around accessibility. Many users were quick to point out that audio tweets would alienate people who are hard of hearing. However, as a result of this, months later, Twitter has announced it will be forming two new teams who it will task with making Twitter more accessible, both internally in terms of policy and marketing and externally through its existing features. When you have designs ready and available, and like if you want to make merch for your fan base, you would have those designs and you'll have Teespring actually printed off for you. Eve, TikTok creators will soon be able to sell their merch through the app. That's right. TikTok has announced an integration with the creator commerce platform Teespring, which will give creators the ability to sell their merchandise directly to fans in the app. This hasn't rolled out yet, but it's my understanding that that will happen very soon. It's currently being tested with a limited group of users, but already thousands of TikTok creators have created Teespring accounts and begun creating merchandise in preparation to sell this to their followers. Now, giving TikTok creators the ability to monetize their popularity is something that people have asked about for quite a while. We're starting to see more of TikTok's commerce strategy emerge. And right now, TikTok is far more similar to Instagram than it is YouTube when it comes to monetization, because creators can secure their own brand deals for sponsored posts. But there isn't an equivalent to Google AdSense, which lets YouTube creators take a portion of a video's advertising revenue. Now, you'll remember TikTok also recently launched a $200 million creator fund with the goal of creators being able to financially sustain themselves entirely through TikTok. But that fund is reserved for the best of the best. For everyone else, selling merch is often one of the best ways for creators to monetize their influence, which is what makes this a welcome update. And whilst we're talking about TikTok, last week we released a very special episode with TikTok creator Abby Clark and TikTok's Managing Director of Global Business Solutions, Inam Mahmood. So check that out if you haven't already. Next from Theo, Snapchat has seen a record number of downloads in August. That's right. Hot on the heels of launching in-platform mini-apps, Snapchat saw major success in August. 
New figures estimate the platform received 28.5 million new downloads in August, which is the largest month for first-time downloads since May 2019. Now, there are theories about the uptick in usage, including its Disney Eyes filter, which went viral, and the aforementioned launch of Minis. You'll remember that these were announced at Snap's Partner Summit back in June, and months later we saw one of these take the form in a collaboration with Headspace. Aside from that, we've begun to see new features like the ability to add music to Snaps, as well as talk of a new shortcuts feature that will let you send Snaps to multiple people at once. Clearly, a combination of the above has driven downloads for Snapchat, which despite doing well for ad revenue, did fall short of user numbers during Q2's big earnings report. Now we're just going to pause for a question, and it actually comes from somebody we know very well. It's Kat Sameta, who left Domino's to join Great Ormond Street Hospital, and at the time she came on the podcast. Kat asks, Hi guys, I no longer have access to a Facebook rep, so I hope someone can help me. Today I went into Ads Manager to create an A-B test, and Facebook have changed the way the tool works. Has anyone used it since it changed? I can't work it out. Hi, Kat. I've got an answer here from Dean Taylor, who is our paid social executive. And he said, there's a new area of Facebook's business manager called Experiments, where they've combined A-B testing, conversions lifts, and brand surveys in a more streamlined form. So from here, you can carry out a split test or A-B test as you normally would, and that will auto-populate the experiment within your ads manager. And just like A-B testing, you can then test at campaign level and at ad set level. The new layout is simple enough to use and allows you to see your results all in one clean place, as well as for any long-term incremental testing. So I hope that helps. Thanks for your question, Kat. I hope you're keeping well. Now back to the stories. I could use a feature like this to retell the story in chronological order and give more context and more richness to those photographs. Next up, Instagram expands guides to list places and products. Yes, Instagram is expanding its guides feature, which it initially launched with a specific focus on wellness earlier this year. If you don't know what guides are, it's almost like a digital magazine within Instagram. Right now, it's focused on wellness and mental health, so select brands and creators can share resources and insight on mental health management. Now, at first, only a handful of creators had access to the feature and have since posted their tips on their Instagram profiles in a dedicated tab. But now, Instagram is opening it up for creators to build out guides for other types of tips and recommendations, including their recommended places and products, which I'm sure you can imagine opens lots of doors for travel influencers, beauty influencers, and different brand ambassadors. The goal with guides is to give its users a way to post long-form content that isn't just a photo or a video. Now, guides can include photos, galleries, and videos sourced from either the creator's own profile, which is more common, or from other creators. But guides also includes commentary from the creator or brand alongside the content, like pullouts in a magazine feature. This is still an ongoing test, focused mainly on creators at the moment, but Guides presents a lot of opportunity for brands with the prospect of further expansions. I'd estimate, though, that Instagram is likely to sell this as another inventory spot for paid partnerships and sponsored creator content before it lets brands create guides from their own accounts. Hi, YouTube. It's Janelle here. In this video, I'm going to be talking about this new Instagram checkout feature. Now, Facebook has launched a shopping tab and expanded checkout to the whole of the US. Yes, massive news on the social commerce front. And like you said, it concerns Facebook's new shopping tab, which it launched globally. Now, this will house products from businesses that sell on Facebook. And it's a move that's identical to the Instagram shopping tab, which suggests Facebook may have been waiting to see how things went there before bringing it onto the platform. Now, the Facebook shop tab isn't front and center on the homepage as you'd expect. Instead, you have to access it by clicking the menu in the top right hand corner of the Facebook app. 
And Facebook aside, Instagram has also been expanding its social commerce assault with a full rollout of checkout. Now, this came way at the beginning of the year for selected US partners and is essentially a portal for making purchases within the app without you having to go to a third party website. Several major brands and fashion houses in the US had early access to checkout, and now Instagram has extended its availability across the states. Now, that's huge because, as you probably know, social has the ability to take the customer journey from approximately nine steps to three, which gets rid of any major friction by letting users link their bank account to their Facebook or Instagram. Watch this space. It's the traditional media that puts the work into uh, getting the articles, writing the articles, and uh, they've been complaining for years that Facebook and Google just free rides on all this content while they're forced to cut costs and shed staff. And lastly, Eve, Facebook threatens to block all news from being shared in Australia. Yes, now this is a reaction to a proposed law from the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, which is demanding that Facebook pay local media companies for their work. Now, this sounds reasonable on the surface, but it poses a complex business problem for Facebook, which is why they're kicking up such a fuss. Essentially, the proposed new laws are intended to regulate deals between tech platforms like Facebook and local news outlets to make sure that negotiating power is more balanced and to prevent publishers from being exploited. But Facebook says the new regulation misunderstands the dynamics of the internet and will actually do damage to the very news organisations the government is trying to protect. It says they've ignored important facts, most critically the relationship between the news media and social media and which one benefits most from the other, basically threatening that they need Facebook more than Facebook needs them and Facebook won't hesitate to pull the plug. But under these laws, Facebook would not just have to pay news outlets when the platform wanted to promote a story, they'd have to pay out every single time a user shared one of the stories. And that's something Facebook can't control. With the amount of news that gets shared on Facebook, I can imagine that cost racking up pretty quickly. So now Facebook says they're left with a choice of either removing news entirely or accepting a system that lets publishers charge them for as much content as they want at a price with no clear limits. I find it interesting because that model is just how commerce works. The providers of goods or services have the power to set the price and the customers then choose to accept that price or do without. But both news outlets and Facebook clearly don't see this value exchange as equal. Yeah, really, really interested by that last story, Eve, about Facebook and Australia. And I was reading something the other day that said, this could actually harm Australian users, not only by taking away the news, but making it easier for fake news to spread and sort of taking away those major authority pillars. And for me, I'm not, you know, the quickest person to jump to uh, Facebook's defence, but I do think the government in Australia and in other places around the world have been a bit ham-fisted with this idea in terms of, you know, as you mentioned in your stories, it's not just Facebook paying for one news story, it's, it's Facebook paying for every time that story gets shared. It's just, it doesn't seem to be work or sustainable. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a classic example, I think, of blanket regulation. It's too black and white and it doesn't factor in the, the nuances, uh, which is what I think Facebook means by the dynamics of the internet. I don't think it's quite clear just how much news gets shared by every individual user. I think if it was just Facebook repopulating this news content, and then monetizing it themselves and keeping the revenue for themselves, which they do get a portion of, obviously just from the clicks and, and time spent because of that news. But it's not as straight and narrow as they're taking the stories and then getting all the money from it. You know, a lot of it is down to user behavior. And it's another one of those examples where you can't regulate what people do on the platform. You know, Facebook can barely do that themselves. Yeah, and it can't just be a David and Goliath situation where Facebook and Google are obviously profiting while uh, publishers are near enough running out of business. So yeah, I completely agree with you there, but there needs to be sort of memorandum to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, definitely. I think it 
harks back to a lot of conversations we've been having recently as well about, you know, competition getting going a bit too far. And I think, you know, different platforms, and I guess in this case, different media outlets need to figure out better ways to work together that can benefit both of them, because there is a value exchange there to be had. It's just, I think there's just like too much bad blood at that point. And, you know, they're, they're not very happy. And Australia is not the only country considering action in that sense. But from your stories, Theo, I thought the Snapchat one was interesting, seeing their user numbers go up again, especially after Q2. And I noticed that you mentioned their Disney eyes filter, which went viral. And obviously that went viral on TikTok. And it reminds me of the story the week before last on these new lenses that Snapchat has created specifically for TikTok. And that's a really good example of not taking competition too seriously and recognizing when different platforms that would be competitors can actually help, you know, each other out. And if you remember the face app filter on Snapchat, that I think there was a gender swap one and uh, like an aging one. And when that went really popular on other platforms, people started downloading Snapchat. So this is a popular pattern for them that keeps cropping back up. And I think they know that. And they'd be wise to sort of ham that up as much as possible. Yeah, completely. And I think following on from that, Snapchat as well has been very open in, in fact, at the start of the year. I mean, physically, as well as sort of theoretically, I mean, in terms of it opening its API to uh, third party developers Mm -hmm. and giving people the chance to collaborate with Snapchat in different ways and Snapchat appearing, like you said, you know, outside of the platform and not just there. So that's clearly been, um, you know, a good reason for that spike in user numbers and as well. Advertising's never really been a problem for Snapchat. It's always just attracting those user numbers there. So it seems to be that things are going in the right direction. I mean, we'll see in Q3 whether that was just a a blip, uh, you know, as a a result of a viral trend or whether that continues on the same trajectory. But it'll be interesting to see what they do next, especially around minis and some of the other features they announced at the Partner Summit in June. I think you're right in terms of that filter being, it is a viral blip, but... So it's, there's another one where it's like isolated eyes and lips, which looks really weird. That's from Snapchat, but blew up on TikTok. And even though these filters by themselves are sort of one hit wonders, if you just keep doing it and if you hit that every time, they've got, you know, a whole new business model, I guess. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. Really excited to see what Q3 brings for Snapchat and all other platforms, really. Join us next week for an episode with chronic Twitter user and Adweek's creative and innovation editor, David Greiner, who joined us for a really insightful conversation about defining innovation in 2020 and how to get your brand featured in Adweek. And as well, I know a lot of you have been joining the Facebook group, the Social Minds Facebook group. That's brilliant. And remember, as well as there, if you've got anything to ask us, be that about an episode or a question that you'd like featured on Social Minds, remember to just get in touch with us either via our personal accounts or the social chain social channels. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 